1: Hello and welcome to a Saturday evening edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are recording this shortly after Real Madrid going to Girona, top of the table Girona in what was a heavyweight, massive game at the top of the La Liga table. Real Madrid going in and beat Girona 3-0. Bellingham scores again to kickstart one of the best starts to a Real Madrid career we have seen in recent memory, recent history, and Jose Luis scores of Inga plays left back. That's a huge talking point, which we'll we'll get to. All is good for now. Real Madrid back at the top of the table. Matt Wilsey is here to help me break it down. Matt, how you doing? Hey, Kian, doing well. Yeah, I think it's an exciting game. Obviously,
0: really positive result for Real Madrid. I think some good takeaways, some interesting takeaways. And uh, nearly, <laughs> Let's. I, I guess we could start right here. We nearly start by giving away two goals and continuing this theme of conceding early goals within matches Um, that, I mean, those two plays were both crosses to the back post that Girona nearly scored from one hit the post. What do you think this is? Like, what do you think is causing the team to just start these matches this way? Like I'm obviously they're talking about it. And she talks about it almost after every press uh, man post-match press conference.
1: What do you think is, I just, I, I don't know how to put my thumb on it no one knows no one knows no one in the team knows you know fans will will give their opinions i don't think they know either zidane this was prevalent under zidane too zidane after every post game uh in every post game press conference would say we know we need to start better even though we know that we can't for whatever reason um there's games that you know have been better than others this was overall a really good performance i don't think the first few minutes um, necessarily would have predicted that because the first few minutes were pretty poor. I mean, there was two sequences in particular. One was the Kepa giveaway under pressure, and then the other one, the cross at the far post, which Kamavinga, that was probably actually his biggest mistake of the entire game was letting that man right behind him at at the far post, and it hits the post. Other than that, it was a pretty good performance, I thought. Um, Why don't we start at the top? I was telling Lucas in Madrid when I recorded with him um, because we saw the starting lineup at the Metropolitano in the Derby. And both him and I were critical of it before the game started. Lucas is pretty quick to go on Twitter and complain about the starting lineup. Uh, I told him I have this rule where even if I don't like the lineup, I don't comment on it until after the game is over because things may unfold differently than what we think. So I saw a lot of outrage over Kamavinga starting at left back. And um, to me, you know, it it was interesting and unexpected because last season it kind of makes sense to put Kamavinga there because Mendy's injured half the season. You don't have any other left back. This year and right now you have both Mendy and Fran Garcia available. Two pure left backs who didn't get a look in this game. And were preferred, or were cast aside for a more, uh, let's just say, unnatural left back, Kamavinga. And a lot of people had their theories why. And some people say, well, like, well, because Kamavinga is undroppable, um, and you want to have him on the field, and you're already struggling so much to get Cruz and Waters so or playing time. This is another way to to squeeze them all in. Bellingham plays an advanced role. Kamavinga plays left back. Left back, you can squeeze and cruise. Perfect. I'm um, good to go. I got to say, Matt, from start to finish. And I don't think this is a controversial take. I don't know what your thoughts are. But to me, this was the best performance from a left back we've had this season. From start to finish, from a two-way perspective, I thought his 1v1 defending on that flank was spectacular. He was tremendous under pressure. His dribbling, his shoulder drops. I mean the way it, there were a couple of moments where he went to an inverted left back role to help escape pressure i thought it was really good i mean there were there have been spurts at left back like fran garcia's two assists for example um in that second half in was that against real sociedad but from like a start to finish standpoint i thought this was the best and it's worth noting i'm not going to sit here and say this should be our starting left back now every game i think there are games maybe that that matchup doesn't make sense but it's like it's hard to argue when you, when you see him perform the way he does in a position where we might not necessarily see it, see it as his best position. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think this was the
0: best performance we've seen from a left back all year, and I think this was Kamavinga's best performance all season. And so, I think you said like just worth noting and maybe not worth a discussion or or not maybe doesn't start in this type of role um for the remainder of the season or for certain contexts. But honestly, I think we're at the point where we need to have a bigger discussion on is Kamavinga actually a left back. I think it's gotten to that point. I think it's gotten to that point. I think he's we have large enough sample size now against the best teams too, where he's played out of his skin and we're like oh my god we have this is the closest thing to Marcelo we've ever seen and and he he's obviously different to Marcelo, but like can his tackles? he had nine tackles today ridiculous an astounding number um and i just think he was nearly foot perfect nearly foot perfect he can beat players off the dribble from that position he can he's press resistant he can counter press really well He combines well with Bellingham and Vinicius Jr. down the left. Like, there's nothing he can't do. And, like, he's our best left back in the squad. Plus, it lets you keep Cruz on the pitch, who's, in my opinion, your best midfielder in the squad. So, I think for for the rest of the season, I think he's going to play a lot of left back. And I think the discussion should be, is Kamavinga actually a left back now? And whether or not he may not love that position but that's where he performs best so he's
1: gonna have to grow to love that position um so there's like all these reports in the spanish press that real madrid hate when ancelotti plays kamavinga there kamavinga hates it um ancelotti has trusted him there i don't i don't think he trusts fran garcia or mendy the way he trusts kamavinga that left back position in Um, and I don't necessarily blame him because Fran Garcia is still going through some growing pains, although I think I still rate him pretty highly, and I think he has a good good ceiling. Mendy just hasn't been himself defensively for a couple years now, and obviously we know his limitations on offense. The, the, if you look at the totality of Kamavinga's left-back cameos, the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is the second leg against City where um that he just got cooked by bernardo silva i guess the question is how much yeah so he also had an assist in the first leg
0: to the well, after winning the ball off of bernardo silva and and i think wouldn't i think the counter argument to that is what would have happened to frank pier mendy against bernardo silva in that man city team
1: well that's where i was going i the thing is, the first leg, he actually not only had that assist, he actually put Bernardo Silva in his pocket, like defensively too. The second leg, the entire team was getting cooked. Um, and I think that was just a really bad place to be for everybody for a variety of reasons we've already discussed to death. So then the question is, how much do you want to hold that against him you know, for getting cooked when the entire team was getting cooked by one of the best teams we've seen in the last 10 years? There's that. Um I also think back to the Kamavinga left back experience from last season. If you look at the chronological, like, kind of history of how we were analyzing it, he was playing really well there at left back. And then we would always say, well, okay, we haven't, he hasn't really gone up against a team that has been able to test him on defense to make those runs in behind. And then we went into that Classico at the Camp Nou. And Rafinha was, like, the first real winger who we're looking at. And, like, this guy is gonna, could give him some problems. And Kamavinga just put Rafinha, like, in a prison cell. Like, he just destroyed him. Uh, and then he did another great job against Bernardo Silva. And then the second leg like, was the one that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb again. Um, but I don't, like... Who were the other, who, I'm the other teams? I'm blanking on who the other teams
0: were in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. But he had to play left-back. A lot of those games as well and did it really well.
1: Uh, I know against Liverpool, Nacho was doing it. So, and Kamavingo was playing midfield, those ones. Uh, then that leaves. Who was the other team we Chelsea? played? Chelsea. No. Chelsea, yeah. Oh, Chelsea was mixed bag because at Sanford Bridge, he was having some difficulty and Conte was playing that weird, like, false nine roll. And then midway through the first half, Carlo Ancelotti swapped Modric and Fede on the oh, left. Yeah. yeah, and that helped defensively a little bit. Like he was put on, he was he was playing on an island up by himself in that in in that moment, and so it's hard to hold that against him. I guess I guess the point is like he's really good, almost wherever you put him. He's looked really good at left back, um, and the worst of it has been the second leg against City, which you know again, how much do you want to hold it against him because of the circumstances? Um, I don't know. I guess it's just hard to argue for a couple of reasons. Like I, I, I get there's like, I understand by the way, like just to sympathize with, with those who don't want him there. And, uh, I don't know where I am necessarily in that camp yet, because I just think as long as he's on the field, I'm like somewhat happy because I just want him on the field. But so the reason I sympathize with the people who are frustrated with Kamavinga playing there is because like, okay, we have two left backs who need playing time, who need rhythm, who need confidence, and Kamavinga is so good in the eight roll But I also think like this is I also I'm a huge believer in Tony Cruz. Like I think Tony Cruz in this starting lineup makes sense and complements the rest of our physical midfielders really well. But it's all about pairings. Like if you pair him with Fran Garcia, it's bad defensively. If you pair him with Kamavinga and Chew next to him, it's fine. And this is just another way to fit in all of your million midfielders. So I don't know. It's I'm kind of like on the fence with this one. I just can't really argue anytime Ancelotti puts him at left-back anymore because, as you said, we have enough sample size to know that he's really good there. So I, I don't know how much you want to argue against it, is my point.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Ancelotti has to get his best 11 players on the field. Yeah. And... <clears throat>
1: this is a way to do that without hurting the team. That's the bottom line. This is, this is really on paper. Like this is the best way to get all of your best players on the field is probably this. Um, This kind of like before the season started, this was similar, not exactly like this, but you know, I, these are basically the best players I think we have on the team that needs to be on the field the most is what we saw today. Apart from Rodrigo, who was on the bench, although Jose Lu like you can't knock him, man. Like scored, a, scored a goal, had an assist today. It's great to see him in this kind of form. And I want to say, like, part of me has changed my opinion because heading into the, this season. I was thinking, like, Rodrigo as a false nine makes more sense because he's just more talented than Joselu. But as I've seen this kind of season unfold, and I'm curious to know what your stance is, I'm starting to really, really value the presence that Joselu brings in the box. Like, even there were a few moments in this game where Vinicius just looks up, and Vinicius didn't have a great game by any means, but he just looks up, and he just has a target. He can just quickly whip the ball into the box like and someone who can get it. You don't even have to put a perfect ball into the box for Joselu, just put it in his range and he'll throw some bodies around and get on get on the end of it. Uh it's great for Bellingham because Bellingham is such a brilliant passer into the box and for him to have an outlet is huge. And this goes back to the Simeone quote after the Atletico game where he said like it was basically easier for us to defend uh because Bellingham didn't have a target in the box to hit. Um, where are you on that? Like the Josielu-Rodrigo dilemma? Have you changed your opinion a little bit on it?
0: Um, I still need to – I want to see the Vinicius-Rodrigo-Bellingham sample size more before I kind of have a definitive answer there. Yeah, what's I, it been I, I like one, I one game basically, two games? Well, preseason it looks pretty good. Um, so I liked what I saw in preseason. And, yeah, the one or two games we had at the start of the season. So I want to see more of that before I can, like, have a definitive answer. But the good news is Jose Lu playing so well that we do have this conundrum. Like this is a serious question, uh, which uh, I don't know that many expected that to be a serious question at the start of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Jose was going to get his playing time. I, I thought it was mostly going to be off the bench. But um, right now, I think this is a really good problem to have because... He's given Carlo really something to think about, and um, I've really liked him so far. Again, I don't expect him to be this incredible Harry Kane-type figure, but given his price tag, given the expectations we've had of him this season, I've been impressed. Um, So uh, Ruben shared a chart with me that was
0: really interesting. So it basically showed, like, best strikers um, by non-penalty XG and I think a few other metrics. And um, it showed Jose Lu at Espanol versus Jose Lu at Real Madrid. And, and like when he was at Espanol, he was kind of mid-tier, low-tier range of strikers. While at Real Madrid, he's in the Harry Kane category. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see like his, t- his characteristics put in this team and how it just helps accentuate his game and kind of he's evolved being a part of this team because he's just going to get so many chances. Like, think about all the goals he's missed already. He has four goals in La Liga, but how many has he missed in that Champions League game? How many has he missed, like, hit the crossbar, hit right at the goalkeeper? Like, he could be up to six or seven, eight goals already right now uh,
1: pretty easily. So... Uh, I believe. I mean, yeah. I I believe with his goal today, he has now officially exceeded his XG. XG. So I think his XG, um, it was three point three before this game. That's to, La Liga only, though, right? That's La Liga only. Yeah, Is yeah. Champions, Champions League, League game. He had like eleven shots. XG of one point two on that one. Yeah. For him, in, individually, that was the eleven shot game, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this season in La Liga. He's first in the league in shots on target. Um he's just getting like a really high volume of shots on. And this uh, is
0: this has been my big thing, Keon. Like I know we did a whole podcast on it, but I strongly, strongly believe that goals are not going to be the problem with this team. We create so many opportunities. You have so many players in this team that can create something out of nothing. Bellingham and Uh, Jose Lu combined have already picked up the goal load that Benzema left. Now we just need Vinicius and Rodrigo to get going and then you get scraps from Brahim, Chumeni, Valverde, so on and so forth. Like, that's all you need. Goals won't be a problem.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, I think something to keep in mind is that during this entire stretch up until now, we haven't had Vinicius. Um, And that should be noted in any analysis of, you know, the, the offensive struggles this season so far, we haven't had, uh, I don't think the offense has struggled. I think it's struggled in the sense that, um, maybe they haven't finished what it's created a ton of,
0: uh, no, that
1: it, it's struggled in the sense of conversion purely, I think. Yeah. Conversion. Yeah. Um, which look, it's part of part of it too. Like it, you know. You, so, <clears throat> uh, apart from but like, but my it,
0: thing is, they're creating so much that it doesn't even matter that they're not converting everything because they just have to convert some of it, which they have.
1: Yeah, uh, but I think you're right. I but I think and and um, again, like with Vinicius back, like this should accentuate um, the offense. Like ignoring just the fact that right now, I think. He's just kind of trying to find his feet and get into rhythm as he returns. Um, There's going to be games like the Atletico game though, Matt, where I think are just going to be a little bit harder and it's kind of like you're kind of dragging your feet through quicksand and it's a little bit more laborious. And if your defense is not on point, it's going to be hard to overcome those deficits. Like The the, the Atletico game was eye-opening to me in the sense that it was our first big test, and I just did not like the way we defended. And maybe that's an anomaly because Atletico is just so good defensively. When you go down a couple goals against them, it's just going to be really hard to dig yourself out of that. But the defense does need to improve, in my opinion. There are ways to do that. Um, I think today, apart from the first few minutes, it was generally good. The other thing to note about the Atletico game was that many was not in the field. many was brilliant today. He was awesome. Um, uh, you could argue, though, that, I mean, apart from the goal we conceded. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the goal we conceded. The chance, one of those chances early on, um, like in- during Girona's wave. Yeah. Yanghel um, Herrera. Yanghel Herrera was on track in the box and Chumani could have yeah. done better. But like, apart from that, and again, like I was looking at Chumani and Kamavinga's performance overall in this game. Unless I missed it, and maybe I did, I'm not saying my analysis is perfect, and I'm sure I missed some stuff, but from what I remember, they they both really made one mistake each, and then were foot perfect pretty much the entire way through. Like Too many was fantastic today, and he still, to me, probably is the best counter presser on the team, the way he can just pop up and win possession from anywhere, whether it's right after we lost the ball or whether it's reading a great interception coming out of the back. His challenges in midfield, fantastic. He had two really, really clean and important tackles inside the box. Um, of course, the third goal, it was his defensive read and then he joins the attack for the Bellingham goal. He looked great. So I, I guess this the reason why I keep bringing the Atletico game up and trying to figure out how much to read into it is I think I don't think Carlo can look at a big game and bench him again and and label it as rest. If you're gonna rest him, rest him in the in the games surrounding it. But I don't I don't think you can go into a big game without him. Man, he's just way too important for the team's yeah. balance. Hundred, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic today, and I think, yeah, I think
0: my the caveat to that lety game was obviously we didn't play the system or the players we normally play. Yeah, um, and. Our defense was just atrocious like and that's what i think is the bigger concern than rather than the goal scoring hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting that is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
1: many more doors. The show is called The, the deal.
0: deal.
1: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Um, and um, no, but too many. I was surprised this was his first goal for Real Madrid. I couldn't believe it. I was it. shocked. That I don't know why. Thought he scored. I, yeah. Me too. I was shocked when I realized that. But I feel like I've seen that goal, him score that goal for Monaco. I feel like I've seen it in the highlights, like him popping up in it with a header off a corner kick or something. So nice to see him bring that to the table. I think he does have a solid aerial presence and should get some more goals off corners. He um, is the so, type of
1: guy where I think if he, like he should probably have more Real Madrid goals than he's had. Like I don't think this is, yeah, it's normal for him to go like a season and a half without a goal. Yeah. Uh, granted he had that injury after the world cup last year. So we, and, and then he played less. So that kind of buys into it too, but he has enough shooting ability from distance and also his aerial presence, as you put yeah. it, uh, he's really good in the air. I just feel like probably like, you know, I think he like three goal a season type of player. I think he can do that. Um, You noted on Twitter that this wasn't necessarily a, a rigid diamond, that it was more fluid. And I noticed that too, especially in Fede's role. I, f- I felt Fede was floating quite a bit um, off the ball. What What did you mean by that? Like, what is it that you saw today from a fluidity standpoint in, you know, in the build up structure?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the team, I would say, didn't play a diamond at all today. Maybe there were a few moments where you saw it, but for the most part it was not a diamond formation it was a four-four-two, with Bellingham as the left midfielder Valverde as the right midfielder but as you mentioned I think Valverde had more room to roam than even Bellingham he kind of stuck to that left hand side And if you look at his heat map it's almost all down the left flank um Valverde actually popped up in like the number 10 diamond role more so than than Bellingham did and um yeah, I thought it was really interesting and I I liked it more than I thought I would. Like Bellingham and Vinicius combined really well down the left and I thought um you you got Bellingham was just involved more in that position than he he normally is and can pick it up in deeper spots and um he still despite being deeper on the pitch he still managed to get I I counted at least 3 including his goal really good goal scoring opportunities like he got the one but he could have had two other ones that one v one where he outpaced daily Blind from like 20 yards away and I didn't realize yeah. Bellingham was that fast um well also Blint is slow, an- like it was
1: a combination of both
0: yeah, yeah 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 um and then there was another one if you remember in the second half inside the box where the ball kind of bobbled around and it was like in the six yard box and it fell to Bellingham and um he almost he almost managed to score from that one as well. So he had he had three great opportunities, managed to get the one. Really happy to see him continue the school scoring. Obviously, the assist was beyond ridiculous. Uh, Luka Modric-esque, yeah. Vinny Jr-esque. Unreal. The outside of the boot. And just perfect, perfect pass. I think uh, Michel Drona, his coach, commented on it after the game as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's just... He's just continuing to perform. I, I just get it. Like, you just know every time he gets on the ball, you know, he's going to do like, it just feels like he's going to do something impactful and he's going to do something that brings danger or draws a foul in a dangerous area or whatever it may be.
1: During that initial wave of pressure at the beginning from Girona, uh, I thought Bellingham did his part to help Real to ride the wave. Um, and it was even before the the incredible assist. He was playing very deep. And this goes back to your point about this wasn't really the traditional diamond we, we've seen. And I don't know if there was a situation of the game state, but he was playing quite deep. And he was actually doing some good defensive work in that left half space between Kamavinga and Nacho early on. And uh, he was also just dropping deep to help escape pressure too. And I thought he was doing some really important stuff to get the ball up the field, help us escape pressure, help win the ball deep. And then he had the assist and he, he says after the game, like, uh, the quote was, I've been watching Luca every single day for, for three months. And, uh, you know, just kind of saying that, you know, I mean I picked up a thing or two from Luca Modic. The pass was incredible to even like know that Luca does that. And, but to execute it on that level is really impressive because it's the diagonal, um, you know, like if you can actually execute it, if you're in a diagonal position and you're on your weak foot, if you can execute it, the, the outside of the boot pass is absolutely perfect. Because just the way it curves when you hit it, it gets right to the striker's feet. I mean, it's an incredible pass, but it, it requires execution. Um, so Bellingham was awesome. Um I just want to go back to Kamavinga for a second too. The Girona tried a couple things um, because they looked at Kamavinga left back and thought maybe they could exploit it. So Saganikov tried to go exploit that space behind Kamavinga, but Kamavinga locked him down really well. In the second half, they subbed him off and brought on Valerie. And him and Savio both kind of like they switched flanks and Savio had no luck either. So that was just another point in Kamavinga's favor. I thought Real Madrid did well on the flanks again. Carvajal was, was impressive defensively again. I was looking at the XG on this mat, and I might as well just share my screen here really quick. Because uh, I was a little bit surprised to see Girona's XG at 2.18. And then I realized like it was basically all in their first 5 minutes of play cuz look Yanka Herrera in the second minute and then you had Saganikov in the third minute those back to back massive chances I like this game could have been so different if one of those go in and then Eric Garcia a little bit later in the uh in the second half from a set piece but uh it goes to show you like we started off pretty brutal Dodged a couple bullets, rode the wave, and uh, and pretty, pretty much dominated the rest of the way. Any thoughts on Keppa? I know he had that horrible giveaway in the fourth minute. I think it was. Girona have a lot of pressing momentum in those first five minutes, uh, and I think his passing continues to be kind of shaky. But it had a really great save in the fiftieth minute after. We left Eric Garcia free on the corner. Any Keppa notes? Like or it doesn't have to be just about today, but like overall his season. He just um
0: yeah, I've been surprised. I think I mentioned this to you before. I've been surprised at how poor he's been with his feet. I thought that would be his one really <laughs> strong quality. Um and then I think like I think he was solid today and made some good saves and he was aggressive off his line. I just think sometimes he makes like unconventional choices. Like sure. That one where it comes for a cross and he punches it. Like he He punches everything done. Yeah. He punt, but I'm like, why punch it? You didn't need to. punch Um, and so, yeah, he does. I just feel like he makes weird and sometimes rash decisions that make me a little bit nervous, but other than that, I thought he was, he was pretty solid today.
1: What were your thoughts on vinicius's first start since uh, his injury? I just think it's fun to have him back.
0: I think yeah, you can see that he brings something a little bit different. He's just got this creativity and in- ingenuity. Like he just he just brings something different. And although he wasn't like the, his best self today, I still think you you see what comes with Vinicius and he's just. Recharging the batteries right now. I like the combination play between him and him and Jude Bellingham, and I think they're that that partnership is only going to blossom. I
1: I agree. I again I don't think it was his best performance. He had a lot of difficulty getting past his marker, whether it was Tsiganikov um, or whoever Girona had on that right side. Um, it depends, like whether it was. You know, Jan Kuto also um, came up against him quite a bit. Jan Jale Herrera coming over to that side. He Vinicius didn't really have any success on 1v1s and dribbles. But again, I just kind of felt like this game was more about him acclimatizing himself back into rhythm. So I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt in this one. Uh, one uh, one quick thing, too, that uh, when you were talking about
0: Carvajal and uh Kamavinga, yeah uh savio's been like the informed player yeah in la liga and they both shut them down like i saw yeah i saw the flank switch in the second half as oh savio's having no success against Carval. like let's try the other flank and it's still still no success um so i think that's a huge testament to them um and and testament to Carvalho who continues to start the season well obviously concern for everyone when with the brief injury, hopefully that's not a reoccurring theme, but um, yeah, just wanted to point that out as well. Um,
1: Rüdiger, <clears throat> bunch of clearances, um, not to necessarily say he was perfect, because I think the team as a whole, including him, needs to do a little bit better marking set pieces. Had that, just I I don't know what to call it, but a classic Rudiger sequence, I guess. <laughs> where he's just like hounding the player, swiping at him. I don't know exactly why, other than it's just Rudiger maybe trying to get in people's heads. Um, any notes on him? I just
0: I, I think he's been really, really solid. Like since militao has gone down, I feel like an underrated theme has been Rudiger's been just solid, like pretty consistent performances. I would say pretty consistently like a seven out of 10. And um, I thought again today, like you said, there were a few moments uh, on crosses or set pieces where he mistimed it aerially or lost track of his mark. But other than that, I think he's been great. I think he brings kind of an edge and an attitude that a lot of fans have been crying out for, for a long time since Ramos and Pepe left. Um, And I think he he brings that. And so uh, I've liked his start to the season.
1: His center back partner, um, Nacho, was fine up until the end. I don't know what he was thinking. I was disappointed. I couldn't believe that, especially given our center back situation, we're down to one now because – nacho gets himself a red card an unnecessary tackle uh you're up three nil the game is completely dusted there's no need for that it was a crazy challenge it was a clear red card angelati apologizes to mitchell after the game and says sorry it was a bad tackle uh Porto apparently in an ambulance i don't know what his diagnosis is and uh Angelotti also was critical of Nacho's decision before the game, saying Nacho usually is a player who doesn't make bad decisions, but he did in that moment. Can you, I I don't know, like, uh, just a a brain fart? Like, how else do you explain that? Yeah, I I think so. I, I
0: really don't know. I mean, anybody looking at that, like, I was surprised the ref gave a yellow initially. Like, anybody looking at that knew that that was a red card. Yeah. Um, And he took one look at the screen and then changed his mind. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. And I I think he maybe felt that Savio was in if if he beat him and just wanted to take him down, but didn't need the cleats to be that high. And honestly, it was so late in the game that even if they did score, it wouldn't have mattered. Like I just I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. Did you uh, see any of Angelotti's quotes after the game? I, saw, I think I saw most of them. I don't know if
1: I saw all well, of them. Well, there was um, some good explanations, tactical explanations as to why he chose Kamavinga. And it also he also explained Bellingham's role, which kind of confirmed what we were saying about the change in formation of sorts. So he says, quote, to avoid Vinicius having to defend a lot, we placed Bellingham a bit more to the side and the defensive effort of the team as a whole was good and regarding Kamavinga he says uh Mendy hadn't played for a month we wanted to rest him we thought about starting Fran Garcia but with Vinicius on that wing we needed a left back left back with the characteristics of Kamavinga to help with the pressing after losing the ball i think he did well so i you know i think he was thinking about like if Vinny's not going to be defending much on the left wing he he thought about that and you know I think it worked apart again from that initial five first minutes I thought we defended really well and and the player selection was a lot to do with that again I think it's great to see Bellingham I mean he's he's still scoring so like I don't think he's going to stop scoring that much I think he's going to continue to get a lot of goals this season but just to remind everyone this guy is a midfielder who does a lot of terrific work defensively, works really hard. So it's like in one of those assets that is just invaluable where you can just ask him, hey, tonight, make sure you cover that left wing really well. Um, and please contribute to the attack still. And you can do that. It's just great to see him in that role.
0: Yeah. What I love about Carlo is that he'll explain those tactical nuances and those he changes will he's that he made. Just ask him questions, you'll answer it. Zidane wouldn't do that.
1: No, Zidane wouldn't.
0: (laughs) If you asked him, he would not do that. So I appreciate that. And I I think it's always fun to hear him be so open and kind of give that information. Um, And so, yeah, and I think we saw it and it, it was nice for him to confirm that today. And I think... To your point, like having a guy like Bellingham and just maximize it looks like Carlo just maximizes all of the players' characteristics and maximize the best way possible to kind of mitigate any impact Girona could do, obviously, and shore up the defense after Atleti. So, um, I think we often say like Carlo deserves more credit as a tactician. And um, tonight he got it right against, hey, these guys are the league leaders. They scored the most goals right out of anyone in La Liga so and we not only kept a shutout but scored three goals so uh, yeah Carl, credit to Carlo.
1: yeah another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, you and I both have to to wrap it up soon. Be with our families, but one is there thing, any- uh, yeah. yeah. One thing I-, I wanted to ask you though: uh, <clears throat> two games,
0: Luka Modric hasn't played. You think that's a message? Like, and we know. I mean, or I feel like I've heard. Before that, Luca's very vocal when he doesn't play, it, like gets really pissed off. Um, and Danny Ceballos looks to have at, at least be the one getting the minutes here or leapfrogging him after the Aleti game. Is Do we make anything of this or is it just two games and let it
1: go? Or I, I don't know if message is the right word, but the reality of the situation is he's just right now based on what the squad needs, like he's just not. He's just not as good as the other midfielders we have right now. Like I don't, so I don't know if it's a message or just like, to me, just the right decision from Carlo. Um, and it's not the same. Water which is a bad player at this stage of his career. He's obviously not. It's just that you have you right now. his priority needs to be winning games. But I don't know. Like I, the way Carlo juggles this stuff is kind of, I don't know. I don't really understand. He has his own methods, but, you know, the biggest game of the season was the Derby. And uh, his lineup selection was just completely different in that game. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, like, why he chose that game, ball games, to kind of try something different and to, quote-unquote, rest too many and all this stuff. And then in the other games, he, he's gone with a more, um, you know, what an approach that we all think is probably a little bit better so I don't know what Carlo's necessarily thinking, what's a message, what's not. But I thought it was noteworthy today that we didn't see Mendy, Fran Garcia, or Morrich. Ceballos gets in, and uh, Kamavinga just plays the whole game at left-back. I don't know if it's a message, or if it's just Carlo maybe just analyzing what the team needs right now. And, and I don't know. Like, thing is, with Ceballos, you always get frenetic energy and effort. And... Uh, incredible pressing from him when when he's on the field today like you can't really analyze anything because it was he came in the what 90 it was after the 90th minute wasn't it or pretty close to it uh and maybe he doesn't want to put mortage there for the last two minutes <laughs> you know so I, it wasn't really consequential i think that sabayas was ahead of him today but it's at least something to note
0: um well sabayas actually was a little bit earlier he was 75 fourth minute, Lucas Vasquez. Oh, you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah. 78th yeah. for Bellingham. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking of um the, the late double sub. Uh, Brahim and, and Vasquez for Fetty and Huzlu. Yeah, so in that sense, yeah. it is pretty noteworthy. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think just one to watch.
1: Like, let's see what happens next few games. So, speaking of big games, possibly the biggest test of the season is in three days. Napoli in Naples. I guess that'll be the one where we kind of like look at, oh, where what is Carlo thinking for our best 11? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, would you be surprised if Kamavinga started that one at left back? No. So if he starts that one at left back, then we have to like file away Carlo's words after the game where he says, you know, we were resting Mendy, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Because, like, when, like, the idea of Vinicius playing on the left wing, I mean, he is our left wing starter forever, right? This season, anyway, and in the foreseeable future. So, this idea of, like, oh, we wanted something, someone, a matchup to complement him, and Kamavinga's characteristics fit better than Fran Garcia's, that's not going to change, you know, against Napoli. So, we'll see. We'll see what. Yeah. what um what happens there I think it would like one thing that would really just really confuse all of us would be like if he went into that game with with moderate starting right we'd all be just be so confused yeah, like too he gets yeah. benched in that game and then we'd all just be yeah. like what's going on we would be so confused <laughs> um anyways um that'll be fun it's nice to have Champions League football back obviously. Um, good start to the group stages against Union Berlin we got Napoli midweek that show will be exclusively for patrons Um, so Tuesday Wednesday sorry Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I think we got five straight podcasts this week and most or if not all of them will be on patreon.com managing Madrid so If you want access to those shows, because we we get a ton of messages like after these big midweek games, like how come you didn't upload a podcast? And we did. Uh, But you have to be subscribed to Patreon or YouTube memberships if you want access to everything. You can't just um, subscribe to one. So if you want access to all the midweek stuff, please make sure you're a subscriber on Patreon or YouTube memberships. And uh, yeah, I think we'll wrap it here, Matt. Fun W, important W, and we will catch you guys. Lucas and I will be back tomorrow, so we'll catch you then. Matt, thanks for your time, buddy. Good chatting. Yep. Thanks, again. Thanks out. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. And before we send you along on your way and wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid who do so much to support the show. And we are so thankful you guys are part of this ever-growing Maridisa family. And we wanted to give a quick shout out to our $10 plus patrons specifically, because as you know, if you pledge $10 or more per month, not only do you get access to every single thing we do, but you also get guaranteed responses to your questions, and you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So, shout out to these follow following $10 plus patrons as follows: Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wamik Jamal, Walker Coven, Tobias Oriol Bacher, Tahmid Kalam, Sushang Tamala, Sujai Wani, Sumanshu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuel Justin, Sammer Z, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paolo Fierro, Patrick Odiafati, Oscar Barretta, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moeller, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Mazariego, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Uh, Michael Zinberg, Naveen, Babu Ramesh Babu, Maren Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Jose Osorio, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Sowa, Jason Fitz, Jacob P, Ian Marley, Howard Moore, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Connor McMorrow, Christian Toft, Krishna Costa, Carlos Fuentes, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Anthony Tharp, Andres Silvestre, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Azaz Hussein, Adar Zalukovich, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Makrur, Primo, Fabian Moreno and Daniel Smith. You guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much for the support. We love you all. Appreciate you. And Halamari.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.